It's Monday, February 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you. Well, it's good to be seen, Mr. Hill. How you doing? I'm doing all right. We got a stock that's hitting a 52-week high. We've got another stock that's hitting an all-time high. But we're going to begin today with the not-so-friendly skies. United Airlines is grounding some of the Boeing 777s in its fleet. This is in the wake of the FAA investigation of United Airlines flight from Denver to Honolulu uh, over the weekend that had to make an emergency landing because the Boeing 777 lost an engine. Let me say that again. It lost an engine. No one was hurt. And that includes, by the way, the people on the ground because there was debris falling from the sky because the Boeing 777 lost an engine. (laughs) Not surprisingly, shares of Boeing are down. And we'll get to the airline stocks, which are all up. We'll get to that in a second. But you you and I were talking right before we started recording here. I mean, this are we in year four of of Boeing? (laughs) having these type of headline risk problems? Uh, and, and yeah, it feels like it's, uh, I guess it's been that long. It certainly does. It feels like it's its dragged on um, to, to the tune of, of Wells Fargo-like proportions, right? If it's not one thing, it's another. And I, I mean, I guess, so it, it, at least it's not the 737 MAX, right? I mean, I think that's really been the big headline driver for the last several years for Boeing, and, and rightly so. I mean, Clearly, some real problems inherent with that design and the software behind it. Um, and, and so, in regard to this, I mean, obviously, it's been a very difficult stretch for Boeing the stock. I, I don't think this is one of those things that necessarily is going to play out on, on them in the same way. I think primarily because when, when we see Boeing, the headline, well, the, 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 sub, the subhead there is Pratt & Whitney engines that were found on these 777. So, it's, it's not like it's a Boeing engine per se. I mean, it's on a Boeing plane, but Pratt & Whitney, uh, which is a subsidiary of, of Raytheon, is, is part of this equation as well. And, and so, I, I mean, clearly, look, you, you never want to see something like this happen. Um, I mean, even just the the notion that you could get on a plane and this is a possibility makes you think uh, twice about getting on the plane in the first place. Uh, but by the same token, listen, we get out of bed every morning and, and there's risk inherent in just living life. Um, I, I think this is one of those things that the responsible parties, they obviously dig into the problem. Uh, this could put a little bit of a, a crimp on... Uh, demand for these particular planes for the foreseeable future, at least until they come up with an answer. I don't think this is one of those things that necessarily pins this company down like the issues with the 737, though. The airline stocks are all up, as, by the way, are uh, travel stocks like Expedia, I think Booking Holdings, um, Live Nation, sort of these uh, event-based stocks, um, in part because there was an analyst note that came out this morning from Deutsche Bank, sort of painting the picture of the U.S. consumer, saying, when the pandemic is over, U.S. consumers are, you know, as a group, going to come out of it with lower credit card debt. If you're a homeowner, the value of your home is higher than it was before the pandemic. $1.5 trillion of excess savings. 
and you know that doesn't even include the the gains that we've seen in the stock market and i mean we've talked for months now about you know the cruise line stocks the airline stocks and uh, you know you don't you don't want to necessarily try and time them and i'm not suggesting that but i mean this is this is a pretty compelling case because this isn't just the theoretical of you know that we saw last spring if you go back to march and april and and stocks falling and and people sort of theorizing not incorrectly well when this is over these businesses are going to bounce back this is a note that is backed with uh, 10 months worth of people trapped in their homes not traveling their home values are going up they're saving more money uh, it's a again it's a i'm not looking to buy airline stocks but but certainly um there are enough businesses um, outlined in this note that uh, there's there's a, a play to be had here. Well, I, I I absolutely agree. I think with you, the airline stocks are probably the I don't I don't want to say the last place I'm looking. Probably one of the last. No, places the cruise I'm lines are the last. <laughs> the cru- <laughs> yeah, cruise lines are the last. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do think that we are going to see some some. <laughs> epic pent-up demand um, because this is a matter of when and not if now, right? I mean, we are really on the tail end of this um, this this pandemic, so to speak. Uh, vaccines rolling out. I mean, we are getting kids back in school here. I mean, really, you know, this is this is going to be. The numbers are showing too clearly that the I mean, hospitalizations are down, cases are down, and so I mean, hopefully, this this really is the the, the final leg of the race here, so to speak. Um, I, I don't want to call it before it's done, but but uh, everybody out there just keep making smart decisions, and um, you know, life life can go on with this stuff. You just gotta you just gotta be smart about it in some cases. And I think, um, you know, all throughout this time, I mean, we've, it's not like airlines shut down. It's not like vacations stopped, uh, but they, they were, they were severely curtailed. I mean, understandably, a lot of consumers just didn't feel compelled to go, go travel, um, wherever they would normally go. Um, whether, whether it was because they couldn't get there or, or whether it's because, the activities weren't nearly as robust as they would be in normal times. I mean, I, I, you are just going to see, I think, a ton of people ready to get out there and, and do all sorts of things. Travel is one thing, um, but I mean, like, just I mean, the restaurants. I'm going to be very fascinated to see how the restaurant space um, responds to the 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 growing flow of consumer spending that that is that is getting ready to hit. Because there's no doubt it is it is it is on its way. Shares of Corn Ferry are hitting a 52-week high this morning. Third quarter results for the management consulting firm came in higher than expected. And, you know, I mentioned uh, the U.S. economy overall. I mean, we still have millions more people unemployed uh, than we did a year ago. And yet, you look at the results from Corn Ferry, uh, an, an indication, among other things, that executive hiring continues. It does, it does, and I think I mean consulting itself is is a really it's a it's a good business to be in, and, and you can build a really strong business around it over time. We've seen businesses like uh, uh, Cognizant and, and Accenture, for example. I mean, Corn Ferry is essentially a smaller version of those types of companies, right? It's 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 a small cap still, but but a strong little business and one that continues to to chalk up some pretty impressive results. The stock is actually up 
40, 47% over the last year, beating the market soundly. This is through uh, through what's obviously been a very a very difficult time. But but as you noted, I mean there are there are pockets pockets of the economy that aren't that, that aren't feeling this the same way. And and I think when you look at Corn Ferry's numbers, uh, revenue for their fiscal third quarter was down nine and a half percent from a year ago. Understandable. Uh, it was up nine percent sequentially, and I think that's important. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, just just earlier with with this sort of forward looking notion that we are going to start to see more spending more activity uh, start to see some recovery here and, and I think we're starting to see some signs of that through uh, you know a, a company like Corn Ferry and its results uh, adjusted earnings were up 27 percent to an all time high 95 cents uh, per share and they actually operating margin uh, expanded considerably from a year ago uh, it was it was 13.7 percent versus 6.1 percent a year ago and a lot of that was just too smart management conservative uh, Financial management in the face of of a, a very uncertain time. Um, it, Corn Ferry, it's it's a neat little business. They serve a number of different markets. Um, I think that when when you look at the markets it serves specifically, I mean, you know, industrial, consumer, financial services, and the tech markets are its biggest serve. That makes up the overwhelming majority of its revenue. Um, and and we saw across all four segments of the business relatively modest contraction save the uh, the recruitment process outsourcing it in professional search side of the business um, but but listen I mean this this is a business that continues to be very resilient in the in the face of a pandemic here the stock is trading around 70 times earnings I, I would not let that multiple fool you though it's really it's really because of of what have been very depressed earnings here over the past year for, for again, understandable reasons. Uh, it seems like a business, smart management, making a lot of smart decisions. Uh, hey, listen, 71% of their revenue comes from clients that utilize multiple lines of their business. So, they're doing something right. And I, I'd imagine they'll, they'll continue to benefit as we see this uh, bounce back. Discovery Communications wrapped up a strong fiscal year. Fourth quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. And the company said its Discovery Plus streaming service is on pace to have 12 million subscribers by the end of this month. Keep in mind, it only launched on January 4th. Uh, this is a service with Discovery Channel, HGTV, Food Network, TLC, Animal Planet. Uh, and it seems like, and I think we talked about this at some point uh, in the last few months, Jason, it seems like they price, at, at the time when they came out with the pricing plan, you and I were like, yeah, that seems like a smart move. It, it was the whole, you know, five dollars a month with ads, seven dollars if you want the ad-free version, and shares of Discovery Communication up seven percent this morning, hitting a new all-time high. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually not really surprised by this. I know we've talked about it in in this market of, of just streaming service saturation. I mean, it seems like there's so many now. We're getting a little bit uh, tired of seeing all of these different little 4.99 charges on our credit card for whatever streaming service we maybe use a couple of times a month or whatever. I do think, however, Discovery, thanks to the the portfolio of brands. Uh, that it has under its umbrella. I think in, in a world of fewer pay TV subscribers and never quarters, folks who just don't want to pay for that type of, of cable relationship, Discovery to me, and, and their Discovery Plus service seems to be one of the streaming services that should should fare better than most. And I think this is one where a lot of advertisers will want to be. And, and I think to your point on the pricing, very smart, a, a very forgettable price point. 
and, and I think that for a lot of those streamers, we talked about this, I think, I think on Motley Fool Money briefly last week, but it, we're seeing, I mean, a lot of these streaming services, I think, are going to have a little bit of an issue in raising prices as time goes on. It's, it's, it's something that has to be done very methodically, very strategically. And in, in, in raising prices, I mean, you're raising prices because obviously people are going to pay for it, right? You have something that people want. And I think that with Discovery, with all of the different content they have, from food to home to travel to, to educational, I mean, it, it scratches so many different itches. I feel like they will have more pricing power than most. And some of these initial numbers really do support that. I think something that was fascinating I, I saw it was that 93% of their entire 55,000 episode library, 93% has already been watched from this Discovery Plus sub, from this product they've rolled out. like What they're seeing is just a ton of engagement. And, and so, they refer to this whole idea of, of becoming a streaming uh, service, becoming a streaming company. It is They, they essentially view this as next-gen revenue. They're focused on working on this, this next-generation uh, type of business that is, that is taking this leap from linear television and essentially going into over-the-top and streaming. And, and what they're seeing is tremendous response from it. I mean, they're seeing that uh, advertisers are flocking there. They have, uh, they have over 100 advertisers and brands on the platform now here in the U.S. They expect that to actually double by the end of the second quarter. Um, and, and again, with a service like this, it's going to be it's going to certainly be an ad play. As we've talked about things like Paramount Plus and Peacock, uh, advertising is going to be a very significant part of this of this platform. And it sounds like uh, early indicators uh, tell us this is where advertisers want to be. One thing that will be interesting to watch, particularly with the streaming service, is what does growth look like in terms of the subscriber count. Because yeah. it's easy for me to imagine the people who really love HGTV or the Food Network or any of these things jumping in early. I mean, that's you know we we saw that with Disney Plus. We've we've seen that with a lot of services. So what does it look like six months from now? Are they able to sustain it? And then the other thing is, and this this gets a little bit into marketing, is what are they able to do? to provide sort of the unexpected spike in subscribers. Uh, end of last year, we saw Disney Plus, uh, with the success they had of the first season of The Mandalorian, they really promoted the hell out of season two. <laughs> yeah. And we saw that that really boosted the numbers. We saw that spike go up. So, I, I'm not familiar enough with their portfolio of brands to know, well, what, you know, what do they have to sort of bring that in? Is Shark Week part of their like? Is like the Shark Week? Shark show Week on? is is yeah. That's is that a discovery. That's a discovery thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, maybe that's that. Maybe that's something that that's a, a lever they can pull there. But um, but no, this was great to see, and it you know it was it, when I was going through some of the articles this morning, I was reminded of the fact that it wasn't that long ago that people were looking at Discovery Communications as a business and asking the perfectly reasonable question. Does this business have what it takes to survive? Do do yeah. they need to sell off some of their brands? Are they going to get bought by someone? Is someone going to look at some of the value creators within their portfolio of brands and say, "Okay, we're going to buy the company so we can get at those, and then we're going to get rid of the rest?" And uh, you know, it's a testament to their leadership that they've pulled this off. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if you go back to March of 2018, that's when they closed that big Scripps acquisition that brought more of those brands into their family. It was a $15 billion, around a $15 billion deal. Um, and, and ultimately, that was about just making making that umbrella that much bigger, right? I mean, having all of that different lifestyle content really is, is proving to be very valuable. And I think to your point in coming up with new things, I mean, listen, man, for me, it begins and ends with diners, drive-ins, and dives, right? I mean, you know I'm a Guy Fieri, Triple D Nation junkie. I watch that show. It's like ambient noise in my house. It's either that or The Office, Chris. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Now, the interesting thing is we get access to all of that um all of that content by the we have that Hulu Plus, we have that Hulu Live subscription. So that's instead of cable, we we kind of get just the over the top version of cable through that Hulu Live product, which is really great. Um, and and it, it's interesting because it gives us linear TV, it gives us all of that HGTV, Food Network, and whatnot linear TV, which is fine. But then you also have the library of the on demand content as well. So we essentially get Discovery Plus by virtue of having that relationship with Hulu Live. And so you can see there are going to be a number of different ways for them to win, even though they're talking about next generation. I mean, linear is still going to be a part of the mix to a degree. It's going to be a smaller part of the mix, I think. But we're seeing linear at least still with those over-the-top live subscriptions. Um, I don't think those are going to go away. It's just going to be a lot of different choices for consumers. And then when you look at the all of the different content, the different properties, the different people, the talent that they have working under that Discovery uh, brand, I mean, a good example, I think you look at someone like, look at the Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? I think uh, they were, they're the ones who did that show Fixer Upper. It's very popular. I mean, I, I think probably six or seven seasons is it ran and they, they brought it back, but they've, they've started this their own business called Magnolia. And, and this was something they talked about on the call, actually. They um, have, have come up with a creative partnership with Magnolia and Chip and Joanna Gaines. And so, it's, it's beyond even being just video streaming. Like, they're looking at Magnolia because Magnolia itself is a it's a transactional business, right? I mean, they're selling things and designs and services. And so, Discovery is not only going to be a part of that, and not only they're going to build a mobile presence around that specific brand, but then also all the content that is developed from that relationship then is part of the Discovery Plus family as well. So, you can see how they're they're doing sort of a very Disney uh, Disney style move there. It's, it's, it's a bit of a page out of the Disney playbook and taking that IP and then building a little bit more of a transactional business around that, participating in that transactional business via partnerships uh, with with some of their with some of their talent. And, and I think that I, I think there's plenty of potential there. I think I think it has all sorts of opportunity to work out. And I, I can't help but we talked about this I think a number of times over the over the years here at, at Full HQ. It, it, I, I'm not saying this will happen. I could absolutely see a world where this company is owned by Walt Disney. This, to me, just seems like of all of the opportunities out there for Disney, given that we know Disney is really building out this next-gen entertainment company and focused on streaming and over-the-top. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Discovery's a $30 billion company, but a guy could could dream because I, I could absolutely see Disney coveting this, wanting it, and going out and getting it. Um, if that happened, wouldn't surprise me in the least. 
I'm glad you mentioned the market cap because yeah, discoveries <laughs> right now it's actually around like a $25 billion. But uh, given the way that they are going, uh, yeah, $30 billion is probably where that conversation begins. But I would uh, much bigger than than what Disney paid for, you know, Pixar or Marvel or. or uh, Lucasfilm, but uh, but we'll see. And and, and yeah. kudos to the people at Discovery. Uh, Jason Moser, who today is celebrating 11 years at the Motley Fool, cannot oh, wow. imagine this place without you. Thank you, <laughs> Thanks, sir. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Kind words. It's a uh, it's it's a pleasure to be able to work with folks like you every day. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.